I'm Mike Nettles with Nettles Farm in Livingston, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is great to have you along once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, more Texans are on the House Agriculture Committee in this new Congress. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas High Plains feed yards are anticipating some relief on feed prices in the months ahead, but nonetheless, making a profit will remain a challenge. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The latest wheat genetics to address drought tolerance, yield, and standability of a crop. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Two Texas Republicans will serve on the House Agriculture Committee for the next two years. Congressman Ronnie Jackson now has a seat on the committee. He has a huge agricultural district covering the Panhandle and Rolling Plains of Texas. Congresswoman Monica De La Cruz of South Texas has also been named to the Ag Committee. She's a brand new member of Congress who grew up in the Rio Grande Valley. Her district runs from the valley north to San Antonio. Preventing BRD in cattle should start early. Dr. Tim Parks, Technical Services Manager for Merck Animal Health, says ideally prevention starts early in a calf's life. Before we wean that calf and it starts to make its first move is really where we're going to see the best impact of our vaccination strategies. We've come with the last couple of years some new products, internasal products, Bovillus Nasalgen 3 and Nasalgen 3 PMH. They're products that stimulate the immune system through an internasal vaccination that gives us a good foundation as that calf moves forward and we start to get into pre-weaning. And those early vaccinations can be a big help down the road. It's going to help, one, reduce the amount of respiratory disease we see, but it's also going to help us when we do have to treat them. If we have an immune system that's been primed, that's ready to fight off disease, when it does become overwhelmed and we come in with therapeutics like antibiotics, that immune system is going to be able to help us and reduce the negative impact that we see. Parks says intranasal vaccines are the most effective way to get protection into young calves. Two years of drought have severely depleted U.S. hay stocks. The recent released December 1st hay stocks report from USDA showed total hay stocks of 71.9 million tons. That is 16% below the 10-year average and the lowest December 1 stocks number since we started keeping records back in 1973. 
Of course, with the drought we had here in Texas, we're seeing a massive drop here as well. Stocks of hay, that's hay we have on hand stored away as of December 1st in Texas, 5.1 million tons, down nearly 26% compared to our 10-year average. Now, hay production numbers also taking a big drop. Hay production nationwide in 2022 was the lowest on record since we began recording it back in 1974. All hay production in 2022 down 12.4% from the 10-year average. Looking at the Texas numbers, our hay production last year, 6.5 million tons. That's down a whopping 34% compared to the 10-year average. Texas High Plains feed yards are anticipating some relief on feed prices in the months ahead. But James Hunt tells us making a profit will remain a challenge. In recent months, we've talked about how the rising cost of feeder cattle is putting pressure on area feed yards' ability to make a profit, and that remains the case. But Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says there is hope that there will at least be some relief with another major production expense. The one cost that could go down that we could see a decrease in, which I haven't been able to say this in a while, that is corn. If we look at the corn futures, I think we're going to somewhat level the corn out. Miller says the projections indicate the decline should provide a nice drop in the cost of gain, which is a calculation of how much feed is costing for each pound an animal puts on during its time in the feed yard. The cost of gain on these animals for cattle going out of the yard today is somewhere in the buck 40, maybe a dollar 50 range. But for cattle going out in the future, we could be back down into the dollar 30 range. But still, the escalating feeder cattle prices and other input cost inflation are creating enough of a strain that feed yard operators really need to make some good market moves in what looks to be some tough months ahead. You just got to watch your P's and Q's and it's all in the buy and all in the sell and, and paying attention to what we're doing so we can continue to be somewhat profitable and continue to be sustainable for the future. A challenging time for our cattle feeders. Now, one more note before we close. A big announcement regarding the congressman who represents much of the Texas High Plains, Republican Ronnie Jackson, has been appointed to the House Agriculture Committee. That's a position he has sought since first taking office two years ago. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The latest wheat genetics are addressing drought tolerance, yield, and standability. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today with Bear Crop Science is Jeff Koselny. He is here to talk to us about uh, the latest in uh, wheat uh, traits and technology. Jeff, what uh, are you folks working on at Bear uh, in regards to uh, this crop? What I manage is our Westbred wheat portfolio, the varieties that we offer to the Texas farmers, Oklahoma farmers, and, and everybody in the West. So, you know, the name is appropriate, Westbred. We, we service the Western U.S. in terms of wheat genetics and, and really proud of our portfolio. And we've been doing really well down in the Blacklands, in the Panhandles. Uh, you know, we really tailor our product to where the farmer's needs are. Is it draft tolerance? Is it, you know, yield, standability? So for Texas uh, wheat farmers, this brand uh, would be good in uh, an area that uh, certainly has uh, suffered uh, a drought more than uh, they would want to. We certainly have a very broad portfolio of products, and, and we look for those products that, you know, yield under under stress conditions. So out in the panhandle, but then we get down in the blacklands where typically we get good moisture. But, you know, the products really perform down there. So constantly our breeding program and our testing 
program is very robust. We test in a lot of locations. We, we characterize those products before we ever commercialize them and, and put them in the hands of our seed suppliers. And uh, what has been the feedback that you've received from farmers on yield and, and quality of this product? Yield is key, right? We know that, that, that farmers get paid for bushels, so that, that's key. The other characteristic that we really stand for is around test weight, protein, as well as um, standability, right? You want a standing crop year in, year out. So those are key focus areas and certainly, you know, disease tolerance. That is Jeff Colselny. He is with Bear Crop Science. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Let's head to Central Texas now for an update from Dr. Shane McClellan. Shane, the deep freeze hit your area back around Christmas. So how does that wheat crop look here a month later? Really, we, we got off to such a good start. We, we dusted our wheat in. It was dry. Then we had some moisture. Wheat notes were coming up and looked really good. Great stand. One of the better stands of wheat than we've, we've had in a long time, just because there was some available topsoil moisture, but not much uh, deep soil moisture. And then we had the cold weather that hit. And those those two days that hit before Christmas were really harsh on all of our emerged forages, all of our small grains. Uh, it really burned our wheat. Some of our producers had been top dressing some nitrogen and those fields that were top dressed and then it was cold and it just stayed dry. Those cold temperatures, well, anytime it gets down below 14 degrees, it's going to really damage wheat. Uh, we got down to, to zero or close to it and that, that sure smoked a lot of the wheat, just burned it back. I've seen a little bit that actually was, was deemed bad enough that producers are plowing those wheat fields up. Some of them are starting to outgrow it. If we'd get some rain, it, it would sure make a big change in our, in our wheat fields. It's a shame with the freeze taking such a toll on the winter grazing in your area. I can only assume that cattle producers are having to feed a lot of hay and supplements right now. Is that the case? Too much. Livestock pastures were in the same shape as the wheat. Looked really good before Christmas. Kind of felt good about it. Was feeding less hay. And then that cold weather really damaged all our emerging cool season annuals like our ryegrasses and burned them back to the ground. Some are regrowing, but most of them just not growing very well. Pastures look bad, somewhat dormant. Not a lot of green out in pastures. Um, those that have it are, are very fortunate. Producers are having to feed, supplemental feed, provide more hay. Hay is some of it, somewhat of a luxury right now is dry we've been for the last year and a half. Hay prices remain elevated and probably will for a while. Not a lot of hay out there available to the public. Hope people aren't price gouging. That hay is, takes a lot to make it. It's an investment to produce that hay and then producers have so much invested in it. Um, they're just trying to recoup some of the money they've got invested um, and they didn't grow as much since we were dry. So it's, it's a valuable commodity right now. Well Shane I know that Central Texas had some late season rains in the fall. How is the moisture situation looking right now, especially with the dry stock tanks that we had last fall? We need a, a large runoff event or, or many days of rain just so our stock tanks can catch some running water. Area lakes still look bad. They're still much lower than we would want them to be. We just need a large rainfall event to, to catch some running water. That is Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco. A New Braunfels man reeled in a 13 and a half pound bass over the weekend, and he's now entered into a drawing to win a $5,000 shopping spree. You too could be entered. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a yeast infection is one of the most common infections in dogs' ears. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A yeast infection is one of the most common infections you'll find in dogs' ears. Dr. Bob Judd says treating this type of infection involves treating the underlying problem. If your dog has recurrent ear infections, it is likely yeast may be involved. Yeast is a normal inhabitant of the ear canal and does not cause a problem until something causes inflammation in the ear. And this is important to understand that yeast does not all of a sudden attack a dog's ears as it is in the ear already. Treating the yeast infection is important, but unless we try and control the underlying cause, the yeast infection will recur, and this is what many of you with dogs that have ear infections likely have seen. Yeast infections respond well to antifungal medications, but the most common underlying cause is allergy. Allergy, either food or inhalant, can cause irritation in the ear by causing scratching and itching to occur, as this inflammation in the ear lowers the ability of the ear canal to fight off infections. This lowering of immunity allows the yeast that are present normally in the ear canal to overgrow and cause a problem. Because of this, using medication in the ears is only part of the solution. Most of these dogs need to be on oral prednisone to reduce inflammation and swelling in the ear canals unless there is a medical reason the patient cannot take prednisone. The oral prednisone reduces chronic changes that have occurred in the ear canal and opens the canal in most cases unless the dog has severe chronic infection. The other important treatment is an ear flush under anesthesia to clean out all of the wax in the ears that prevents the antifungal medication from doing its job. The anesthetic ear flush also allows the veterinarian to examine the eardrum, which may be ruptured in some cases. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new Braunfels man reeled in a 13-and-a-half-pound bass last weekend. Jessica Domo says he's now entered to win a $5,000 shopping spree. Talk about a good day at the lake. A Texas angler recently reeled in a largemouth bass weighing more than 13 pounds at OHIV Reservoir east of San Angelo. The fish, caught by angler Tom Nielsen, is the first legacy class lunker of the Toyota Share Lunker Program's 2023 season. Natalie Goldstrom, Toyota Share Lunker Program coordinator, says the bass has been taken to the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center to be selectively bred. The Shirlinger Program is a Texas Parks and Wildlife Department program, but we really rely heavily on our anglers' participation in the program. The program itself started out as a collection program of bass that are 13 pounds or heavier, and they go through a selective breeding program where they're bred with male descendants of other Shirlinkers, so the offspring have a genetic potential to be really large bass. And those are all stocked back out into the public waters that they were cut from. And then the female bass, which is the big Sherlunker bass, we returned her to the angler that caught her. And she is then returned to her home reservoir. 
The loaning period for bass weighing 13 pounds or more ends March 31st. Year-round, anglers who catch bass weighing 8 pounds or more or 24 inches in length or longer can help the program by sharing valuable data. They can share a little bit of information about their catch data online or through the app. All they need is a few pictures of their fish, either a picture of the fish on a digital scale so that we can read that digital way out, or a picture of the fish on a measuring board. And we also love to see those pictures of the angler with their catch, making sure that they're holding their fish with two hands. Details are available at TexasShareLunker.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was an up and down day in the cattle trade yesterday. We closed mixed while cotton closed strongly higher. We'll take a look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Wednesday, both live and feeder cattle ending the day mixed. February live cattle down 20 cents, 156.80. The April up 12, 160.22. June up 7 at 156.87. Feeder cattle mixed also. The nearby January contract down 15 cents, 179.50. March feeders up 42, 181.72. April feeders up 42 cents, 186.30. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. Feed lots here in the south asking 158 and better. Boxed beef prices mixed Wednesday choice down 223 at 274.43. Select up 49 cents, 255.02. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest today, Doug Bass, Cattleman's of Brenham. Sold them last Friday. Doug, how'd it go? Ended up 1,249 head of cattle. Dang, market looks really good. Cows, piker cows and bulls sold steady the week before, and uh, feeders, steers, and heifers sold steady. And like I said, the market looks looks dang sure good. Walk the pins with us. Yes, sir. On your weigh-in cows, your thin lower yielding cows, 25 to 39. Medium flesh cows, 42 to 65. Better cows bring 69 to 82. Uh, bulls, uh, lower yielding bulls bring 68 to 88. Better higher yielding bulls, 95 to $1.12. Had a few pairs. Better pairs bring 12 50 to 1400 medium top pairs 950 to 1000 bred cows a medium flesh kind of cows 750 to 900 better bred cows thousand to twelve fifty two to three weight steers one sixty five to two forty heifers one fifty to two twenty five three to four weight steers one sixty to two forty eight heifers one forty five to two thirty four to five weight steers one fifty to two thirty one heifers one thirty five to two oh two five to six weight steers one forty five to two dollars heifers one thirty to one eighty three six to seven weight steers one thirty five to one seventy nine heifers one twenty five to one sixty eight seven eight weight steers one twenty to one sixty four 
heifers 120 to 145, and your 800 to 1,000 pound steers and bull yearns bring 110 to 130. Heiferets bring 110 to 133. So it sounds like you had a good sale. What's in the in the bag for this week's sale? We got some cattle coming. Got some people calling. The market's really good. I think it's going to draw some cattle out. I would like to remind everybody also, we're going to have a special sale in Columbus, February 1st. We're going to have about 70 bulls and about 250 females. So if anybody's need me, y'all sure holler at us. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Call me on my cell, 979-877-4454. Or there at the office in Brenham, 979-836-3621. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble here in Central Texas, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs were lower on Wednesday. February hogs dropped $1.12, 7732. April hogs down $1.92 at 8620. Class three milk slightly lower. January milk down two cents, nineteen forty six a hundred weight. February milk down nine at eighteen forty five a hundred. The cotton market was near limit up after the open Wednesday. Traders optimistic that China is on its way to overcoming their COVID situation. We did back things off a bit near the close. March cotton finishing hundred ninety nine points higher, eighty four eighty one. May cotton up 210 at 85.18. New crop December cotton up 169 to close at 83.20. The grain markets lower in Wednesday's trade, mainly on the weather forecast. Corn finishing lower on improved weather outlooks for Argentina. Of course, Argentina dealing with a lot of dry weather down there right now. March corn down four cents, 681 and a quarter. May corn down three and a half, 679 and a quarter, with September down two and three quarters. 616 and a half. Wheat market finishing lower on improved moisture conditions in the western U.S. We've got snow and ice in Colorado, western Kansas and Nebraska, and rain in Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, and Arkansas. March Kansas City wheat down 14 and a quarter, 841 and a half. March Chicago wheat down 9 and a quarter, 742 and a half. In the energy markets, February natural gas down 29 cents at 329. February crude oil down a dollar three seventy nine fifteen a barrel. The financial markets sharply lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down six hundred points thirty three thousand three oh nine. The Nasdaq down hundred twenty six at ten thousand nine sixty eight. The S and P down sixty points at three thousand nine thirty one. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.